Welcome to another episode of our 24-bit podcast. Sometime in June, I sat down with Kwenui Tower, who is the head of special projects at SokoWatch, and we discussed a couple of things on how SokoWatch is revolutionizing access to credit for the adabapt and for uh, retail stores across East Africa, uh, which are the company, or rather in Swahili, are known as Dukas. So here is the interview. Uh, let's start with uh, Kwenui Tower introducing and uh, talking about what he does. And so the role that I, I play today is as our head of platform services and special projects. And effectively, what that role means is I oversee what we like to call our um, our non-core businesses. Right? And so just to give context in terms of Sokoach, so Sokoach is a B2B commerce platform um, focused on you know optimizing the supply chain uh, between FMCG manufacturers and uh, informal retailers. And for context, you know, roughly about you know, 90% of, uh, of retail transactions actually happen um, at informal retailers on the continent. And so our goal is to basically empower these retailers to more effectively um, serve their customers as well as be, you know, channels of growth for um, FMCG manufacturers across the continent. And so our core business that we've built today is that supply chain um, solution, which you know basically enables uh, FMCG manufacturers to engage with us, and we then um, offer their products to these informal retailers. They can buy their products either using our application, or they can use one of our other offline channels to be able to um, to purchase their products from us. And then we offer uh, free same day delivery. So that's our core business, managed mm-hmm. uh, by a few other folks on our management team. But where I'm focused and and what I've been spending a lot more of my time on is really kind of looking more holistically at our customer, um, the, being the merchant, and really saying what are the other key pain points that our ecosystem could really start to solve for these customers. And so one of those first pain points that we identified was just in with regards to growth capital, right? And when we think about growth capital, what we mean is a merchant that has $100 that he's using to, to basically as working capital today to run his business, right? How do we enable that merchant to go from $100 to $200. And so that's where we've introduced financial services. And so financial services is one of those, you know, we'll call it for the moment, non-core um, businesses that we started to build um, around our merchants. And, um, you know, we're looking at a few other uh, um, businesses that, that we're, we're piloting and really kind of with that focus of really thinking about are we addressing key pain points for, for our merchants. Okay. Uh how many kiosks uh, do you currently have a Sokoj or, or do you uh, currently order from Sokoj? Sure. So um, on a monthly basis, we, we, we tend to track what we call active uh, monthly customers. So on a monthly basis, we have about uh, 25,000 plus merchants that, that purchase from us across the nine cities in which we operate in. Okay. And do you have like a, a, a sort of number you could give me on de- deliveries per day, if that's possible? Um, in, in terms of deliveries, I, I, I don't I don't have the exact deliveries per day number, okay. but I, I, I can give you roughly our, our monthly order count. So in terms of our monthly order count, you're looking at roughly around just shy of 100,000 orders, right? So if you the best way to kind of think about it, right, is we have about 25,000 merchants in our network. Our merchants mm-hmm. tend to order from us at least once a week, 
right? So you, in terms of thinking about an uh, order count, right? So it's okay. roughly about just shy of 100,000 orders that we're delivering per month. Nice. Uh, you listed at uh, the beginning of the year as one of the most in- innovative companies in the world. Uh, any thoughts on that or how, any, any, any comments on that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, we, 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 we like to we like to, to really kind of um, uh, appreciate those, those types of recognitions because when Sokowatch started as a business, and just to give you a bit of background on the company, right? Um, so the company was founded by by Daniel Yu, and you know the initial vision of Sokowatch was just to be a pure technology platform. Um, that you know was sold to SMCG manufacturers such as Unilever to basically allow them to better manage the supply chain. But very quickly in the early days, we realized that the, the market problem was not just a technology problem, but was a, a supply chain problem, right? And so you know one of the things that, that we've done as a company is we've really kind of taken on these other ecosystem problems that you know were not part of the core problem that we were looking at initially, and we started to really kind of think about and build solutions that are custom made for our customers within our ecosystem, right? So even thinking about things like same-day delivery, right, prior to Sokowatch coming into the ecosystem, right, same-day delivery didn't exist, right, in this this market, right? If you think about things such as price transparency, right, we were one of the first to start to introduce price transparency through our applications as well as for customers who kind of use smartphones. We were were basically sending um, these customers price lists via SMS. Right. And so if you think about historically, the way in which customers would get prices was they would actually have to call a distributor or call a wholesaler and they would have to ask somebody about prices. Right. And so as a result, you weren't you weren't always sure that you were getting the same information as the next guy. Right, because mm-hmm. it, it was done. It was done via kind of informal channels. Whereas we started to formalize a lot of those relationships, and we were the first to really start to formalize, structure, and digitize a lot of these relationships. And so I think you know the, a lot of the recognition that we're getting today is a testament to the hard work that we've put in 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 formalizing, digitizing a lot of these relationships. And I think we're starting to see that as well with the amount of money that is pouring into the B two B e commerce space. Mm-hmm. You're one of the best funded startups in the region and uh, they still talk about how uh, other startups uh, challenge, uh, find it challenging to get funding. So what are your thoughts on why are you one of the most, uh, one rather one of the best funded startups? So I think, I, I think we, in, if you kind of think about our funding cycle versus, you know, our history as, as a business, right? We, we, we really started, um, you know, raising a, a lot more money in, in the last few years. And I think it, it speaks to the traction that we started to get with regards to product market fit, right? And I think what that speaks to, if you kind of think about the history of Sokolash, right? So the initial um, initial iterations of our business model started back in about, roughly about 2015, right? Where we started to test out our, our model in the market. And I think where we really started to reach product market fit was roughly about 2017, right? And so in those initial days, right, we... We, we funded the business through um, other means versus your, your typical VC funding. Um, and I think once we started to get that product market fit and you started to see that that, that growth and that traction, that's where we started to get funding. And so I think, you know, the, the, the key thing that, that, that I would say that it is core to that story is really, you know, one of the things that we've built as a culture is really being super, super cash efficient, right? And so if you think about um, where we are in terms of our, our, our growth and our size of business relative to the 
amount of money that we've raised, right? I'll argue that we are actually one of the most cash efficient and capital efficient um, startups in the ecosystem, even though um, I think relative to, to many others, we, we have raised a decent amount of money, but I think relative to our traction and our, our growth with our customer base and our GMV, right, I think we've, we've done a really, really good job. And I think that comes back, as I said, in the early days when we were still figuring out product market fit, right, really, really having to be scrappy and nimble in the way in which we, we approach managing the resources that we have. Okay. And how uh, how would you say Sohoch appro- approaches uh, its goals? How do you achieve your goals? What are so, some of the measures you take to ensure your goals are achieved? So I think I think the core thing that I would say is a big big differentiator about Sohoch um, relative to, to many other other companies, and I think it's a it's a source of pride for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hear this from our employees, and we see this even. In our in in our in our voluntary um, employment, like so, so, one of the things we measure internally is you know basically a voluntary um, a, like you know uh, employee um, retention, right? And our our voluntary employee tech retention rate is actually in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. And you know one of the key drivers of that and the feedback that we constantly get from our employees is about our culture. Right. And if you want to talk about values at Tokowatch, right, one of our biggest values at Tokowatch is best ideas win. Right. And, and even as we've continued to grow um, into a company that now has hundreds of employees, right, one of the things that we do go out of our way to try and maintain is we try and maintain a relatively flat org, as well as we try and maintain um, open forums for our employees to be able to engage with senior management. Right, whether that's you know me being in Kigali and, and going to our branches and hosting you know town halls at our branches with our, our branch teams or other forums that we create, we actually create you know internal forums where the whole company can actually come together and we allow we allow the employee base to be able to ask us questions about our strategy, critique our strategy, and really hear hear from the guys on the ground and really incorporate their feedback into how we, we think about running the business. And so I think a key thing that's really really critical for us is that we don't just take management as a top-down approach. We take management also from a bottom-up approach where we're, we're actively listen, listening to the guys on the ground and really incorporating their feedback into our strategy. And so I would say that that, that is really critical to um, our success and how we continue to, to deliver on the goals that we've set. Mm. So from such meetings, uh, do you get a way of measuring uh, sort of uh, employee uh, satisfaction? You've already said you have very good uh, uh, feedback from them. And do you also get a way of measuring uh, sort of progress for these goals? Yes, yes, yes. So we we, 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 we do we do actually um, apologies here. Um, Sorry. So we, yeah. So so we so we do actually uh, have what we call um, employee NPS. Mm-hmm. So we, we actually have a system built as part of our our. our so we call our HR team our people our people team, and so our people team does actually um, run you know very frequent employee surveys, and we actually track an employee MPS, and that's actually built into our overall management OKRs, right? So if you kind of think about um, the core OKRs, right? We we think about our people as a core part of the business, and actually even in our overarching management OKRs, you know, people is a core part of what we focus on, right? So looking at that that employee MPS, but also looking at that voluntary. Um, employee retention rate that I was mentioning earlier. So I think those are kind of two metrics that we pay attention to quite closely. Mm-hmm. We kind of gouge, you know, are we are we delivering on the value that we've we've ascribed to to deliver to our employees and to to the, the broader ecosystem. 
So I wanted to ask something about how Sokoch has changed the market right now, but I remember you've already uh, talked about a couple of things that you introduced when you came into the market. So let me tackle uh, credit facility and smartphone financing. Can you tell me how it has been received by kiosk owners or the merchants on your platform and what are sort of the uh, plans for the future? Sure, sure, sure. Um, I, I think uh, in, in terms of working capital, right? So working capital uh, is, a, is, a, is a product that we, we initially piloted um, towards the end of 2019 and then we officially launched um, beginning of, of 2020. And um, we launched it initially in Kenya and Nairobi, and we've now expanded it to all our markets in Kenya. So that means Mombasa, Nakuru, Eldoret, um, as well as we've expanded it to both our um, Uganda and our Rwanda operations. And so, you know, in terms of traction so far in that program, we've served over 3,000 customers since we've launched in that program across all those markets. Um, we've already dispersed over three and, and a quarter million dollars um, to these merchants. And so I, I, I would say that I think those, those stats... Uh, there's been, you know, very, very big and, and, and positive reception from the customer base with regards to the product. And so that the product I'm referring to is the working capital facility that we provide to our customers. And just in terms of context of how that, that works, um, effectively what we do is we allow merchants to to basically access what 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 is what is what is pre-scored as a credit facility for them. And so we pre-score our merchants based on our data. Um, we allow them to then basically borrow in kind. Right, so we don't actually give them cash, um, and the reason why is we want to we want to we want to kind of tie the, the the loan that we're giving to the merchants to their business, right? And we want them to use it to to grow their business, and especially given that financial literacy is something that we've recognized that is quite low in a lot of the markets in which we do business. We've structured the product in a way where we can we can we can use the product to incentivize the merchant to be able to grow very effectively with the watch. Right, so I, I would say overall the, the the reception has been quite positive there on the smartphone financing side. Um, that program we um, we've had to discontinue that program just because with um, with COVID um, that program be, was non-core to a lot of our merchants. Um, just because you know having a smartphone is more of a nice to have versus a core part of their business, and so I think you know that 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 program did see quite a bit of traction. Um, Prior in the few in the few months prior prior to COVID, so prior to March 2020, um, but that is a program that as we start to move out of the lockdown and as we start to see our merchants stabilize in terms of their operations, um, we, we we would look to, to redeploy and, and repilot to really kind of understand you know the growth potentials there. But but just in terms of context and the way that we think about that, right? What we're really trying to do is we're really trying to think about you know how do we continue to support our merchants to better run their business more holistically. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that we were thinking about is, you know, for example, um, you know, there, there's, you know, with that, with the app that we're providing to our merchants, right, we want, we want to be able to facilitate them to be able to use that. Right. And so um, the smartphone financing program was in one part of the way in which we were aiming to, to help kind of drive that adoption and really trying to drive that ease of our merchants to be able to access that convenience that comes with being able to use a smartphone as well as being able to use our app on their smartphone. Okay, uh, you you uh, on the site. Uh, I I won't have the exactly details, but you're listed as being uh, 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 being present in Nairobi, Dar es Salaam, Kigali. Basically, uh, Nairobi in Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and Rwanda. Uh, is there any plans for more 
cities, uh, more parts of uh, the East African uh, region? Yes, I think I think as as part of our strategy, um, you know, our goal internally is to basically increase the purchasing power of Africans, right? And and that's the that's the set mission that we've we've set out, you know, publicly. And and so I think definitely, um, you know, continuous domestic expansion in the countries in which we do business is is definitely in the horizon, um, as well as expansion, you know, to other regions of the continent. So, so I, I, I would say that, that yes, definitely, we are looking at um, continue to expand. Um, I think we are we're being mindful of the, the health and safety um, protocols, in, and and so we're, we're we're being we're being a bit more cautious in the way in which we, we approach expansion, given um, you know especially the the recent rise in cases in the region. So, uh, so I think you know we're it's something we, we definitely want to do, and it's part of our mission. But in terms of timing, um, you know we're, we're we're still figuring that out. Okay, uh, you've recently introduced electric uh, motor uh, tuk-tuks, and uh, are there any plans for like uh, any th- like going electric in future or any any of that sort of thing? Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, I think one of the things that we are mindful of as a business, and one of our core things that we're aiming to do is we're really trying to build you know, um, sustainable solutions, right? And we're very, very mindful of the fact that, you know, as we continue to grow last mile delivery to now 25,000 plus customers in the future, you know, 1 million plus uh, merchants, right? We're we're very mindful of, of the contribution that, that we as a business um, is, is making to, to the carbon footprint. And so I, so I think, you know, the, these initiatives that we're taking um, to introduce electric vehicles into our ecosystem is with that in mind. And really, how do we, how do we um, be at the forefront of playing our, our part in reducing um, our carbon footprint in the countries in which we operate to make, our, to make the cities in which we operate cleaner? Um, as well as more efficient. So I think I think definitely that that is something that we're we're looking to continue to do um, and, uh, and and continue to incorporate as part of our, our core business model. And what sort of uh, what's the plan generally on how you'll acquire all these electric uh, means of transport? Are you looking to partner with local uh, people who are, uh, who are venturing into the space? Or are you looking to acquire them directly from wherever they're produced? So I, I think I think in terms of the in terms of the um, the sourcing side of things, um, I think we we are we are being um, opportunistic there as to what makes sense, right? So I, I would say with with the current um, with the current vehicles that we procured, right, we've partnered with with local suppliers to support us, you know, particularly on um, maintenance and um, repairs. Um, and so I think we're, we're being opportunistic in terms of how we think about engaging with different players in the value chain, right? So whether it's, you know, working with local um, producers who are, you know, producing their own, um, you know, uh, electric vehicles versus, you know, importing from other regions of the world, as well as, you know, on the support, maintenance and repair side, you know, also making sure that, that, that we're working with, with players that, that meet our standards, right? So I think, you know, the, what, what's really kind of guiding um, the, the decision making there is uh, the, the rubric that we're using to kind of set what is the standard that we need. And if the local um, guys meet, meet those requirements, we're happy to give them business. So, so I think that's, that's the way that we think about it. Okay, in terms of uh, since uh, the introduction of the electric vehicles, uh, what is the greatest benefit to the company that you've uh, sort of witnessed? Yeah, I, I think uh, the greatest benefit to the company 
so far um, has been in terms of cost reduction, right? So if you think about electric vehicles versus your typical diesel engine vehicles, right? One, um, the the number of uh, parts that um, go into the vehicle, right? The engine, of course, is the most complex piece of a diesel vehicle, right? And the engine has, you know, quite quite a number of parts, right? So if you think about you know, the cost of, of, of repair on, spare, on finding spare parts, right? That goes down quite significantly when you move from diesel to electric just because there's a lot less parts in that, that go into the motor of an electric vehicle. So I think that, that, that has been one aspect. And then as well, also on fuel costs. Right, these electric vehicles, you know, take about three hours to charge every night, and once you once you charge them fully, right, these vehicles can go for two to three days on one charge. Right, so I think um, you know a big, the big area that we've seen increased value, um, especially economically, right, is that electric vehicles don't just make sense from a sustainability perspective, but they also make sense from an economic perspective in terms of reducing the cost of delivery to our merchants, right, and and, and driving more efficiency in our in our structure there. Okay. Okay. So we've talked about, uh, uh, the whole company. I think I've covered most of the topics that I would like to know about the company in general. So I, in the few minutes that are remaining, I would like to, uh, you to touch on competitors. Uh, what, uh, how do you feel about your competitors and what are some of the strategies you have uh, on growth and, uh, on more acquisition of merchants and all that. And also I'd like you to talk a little about joining the Ninja Accelerator program. Joining the, sorry, I missed the last one. Joining the Ninja Accelerator program. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, uh, I, look, I, th- I think in terms of in terms of competition, right? I, as I said at um, earlier in the conversation, there's a there's a lot of money that is now going into the, the space, and so we we are mindful of competition coming into the space. But I think um, one thing to, to recognize, right, is, you know, across the continent, right, we're talking about an $850 billion, you know, dollar market, right? And, and if you just use, you know, public public comps, right, you take you take someone like, like Jumia, right? Jumia's GMV is just around a billion, right? So I would, I'd like to say that, that in terms of the market penetration from tech startups um, that are looking at this space, right, in terms of market share, it's still quite low. Um, and so I think there's a lot of room um, for multiple players, and, and we, you know, fundamentally believe that there's room for multiple big players um, in the space across um, different regions. And so I think, you know, we are mindful of, of competition, um, but I think, you know, we're not letting competition distract us um, from continuing to deliver on the value that we set out and the brand promise that we set out to deliver for our customers. And so I think the way that we've approached dealing with competition is just continuing to double down on innovation and double down on really thinking about the customer. And as I, as I even mentioned, even thinking about, you know, the evolution of my role um, at Silkowatch, I think the evolution of my role at Silkowatch speaks to that customer focus, right? Because back in 2019, the core thing that we were trying to solve for and really do really, really well was that delivery piece, right? Can we deliver same day to all of our customers? And I think we've continued to do that very well and we're getting more efficient at doing that. But now I've shifted my focus to really kind of thinking more holistically about the customer and saying, you know, what other pain points could we really be addressing for the customer, for example, in financial services, right? So I think, you know, that customer focus is what is what has allowed us to, to win and, and continue to innovate so far. And so I think that is going to be the, the core guiding principle of how we continue to deal with competition going forward. Um, with regards to the Ninja 
Accelerator program. We're super, super excited to be able to participate in that program. Um, and we think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of learnings. We participated in a number of other programs such as Endeavor. Um, so our CEO, Daniel, is actually part of that Endeavor network. And so we really see a lot of these programs as really value additives to, to us, particularly in allowing us to be able to learn from others, right? I think one of the things that, that, that we've, we've really done quite well is we've, we've, we've collaborated and, and we continue to talk to, I personally talk to senior management of similar companies to ours that operate in regions outside of the continent, right? And what we do is we, we share a lot of learnings with one another. And so I think these, these programs like the Ninja Accelerator really allow for those kind of collaborative environments where we can learn from one another because I think the only way in which we can continue to grow and deliver value for our customers as well as deliver value for all our other stakeholders, employees, as well as shareholders is by continuing to learn from one another and innovate on our business models. So that's that, that, those are my thoughts on, on, on those things. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, in closing, I would like you to uh, share a little about what you personally find unique about the Kenyan startup space, just the Kenyan uh, uh, sort of tech space. Yeah, I think, I think the, the one thing that I find really, really unique um, I'll speak. I'll use Kenya as a way to speak more broadly about East Africa because at Sokowatch we really are. You know, we started off as a Kenya business, and we we appreciate and we love our Kenyan roots. Um, but we really are an East African business today, right? And one of the one of the interesting things about Sokowatch we were actually just talking about this the other day at our management. Uh, meeting is the fact that, you know, no one country is overly dominant as a share of our GMP, right? We're, we're sort of equally balanced across the regions in which we operate. And so that's why I want to emphasize that we're really truly an East African business. Um, but, 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 you know, kind of going back to your, your question here about, you know, the Kenyan startup ecosystem. What I find about the Kenyan startup ecosystem is that I think it's an ecosystem that really allows founders from different walks of life, different backgrounds, you know, whether you are Kenyan, whether you're um, British, whether you're American, you know, whether you're from anywhere in the world, I find it to be quite diverse relative to some of the other core startup hubs, you know, most notably Egypt, notably Nigeria, notably South Africa. If you look at the, the diversity of founders, right, um, I think Kenya actually has um, one of the most diverse founder groups, right, across the different founders that exist in the Kenyan tech ecosystem. And so I think that's actually a huge plus um, just because it allows people to bring a diversity of thoughts to the table, just because people have experienced different things from where they grew up or the different um, career paths that they've taken to entrepreneurship. And so I think that that's the way that, that, that I would describe the Kenyan ecosystem. And I would say that that is probably one of the most vibrant and valuable things about the, the Kenyan ecosystem relative to a lot of the other startup ecosystems around the continent. Okay, that's very nice. Uh, thank you very much for the time. I think that that was that are all those are all the questions I uh, have to ask today. Perfect. Thank you for making the time. Okay. Good day. All right. Have a good day. Thank you.